I definitely view the end of my first summer with Cutco as a turning point where I went from following the path that society seemed to have waiting for me to going out and forging my own path that leads to the life I want. And since then, that's been a part of my personal mission is to empower others, especially young people, to forge their own path too. The voice you just heard is 20-year-old Colton Horn, a student at Northwestern University. After that first summer with Cutco and Vector Marketing, Colton decided to take on the challenge of becoming a branch manager, where he'd be responsible for running all aspects of a field sales office during the summer months between years of college. In the summer of 2019, Colton was number one out of about 300 such branch managers. He displays a level of leadership talent and life wisdom that truly belies his age. And he's truly an example of how young leaders can evolve through their experience selling knives as a Cutco rep and changing lives as a vector manager. I'm so excited to introduce you all today to this incredible young leader, Colton Horn. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. We have a very special guest today. It is our company's national champion branch manager, Colton Horn. And Colton is live with us now all the way from Italy, where he is studying abroad. He is not a grizzled veteran of the Vector business, as we have had many of those on the podcast. But instead, he's actually only been in the business now for a little over two years. Started in the summer of 2017 in the Chicago area with Danny Lewis. And Colton became a branch manager his second summer. This is a program where the company offers young people a chance to run their own sales office for the summer months. And Colton's office produced $225,000 in sales, which was an excellent performance in his first branch summer. And he decided to branch again. And the second time in 2019 summer, Colton's office produced $510,000 in sales, was number one in the company among all of our many branch managers, several hundred of them, a national champion sales manager in the company as a young person, 20 years old. Are you 20? Yes. Yes. So awesome. And so it's great to have this kind of a guest on today. It's a very special opportunity for us to get into the mind of a young leader who has done a great job with the company. So Colton, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Again, you know, really grateful that Colton is recording this with us while he is in Italy. He's a student at Northwestern University and uh, is in Italy studying abroad for the semester right now. So Colton, tell us a little bit about your background leading up to when you first got started with Cutco and Vector. Sure. Yeah. So when I was 17, um, heading into my senior year of high school, I got my first sales job. And at the time, I don't think I really appreciated, at least not as much as I do now, how important that experience was for me. Uh, It was at a promotional marketing company right outside Chicago. And my job there was essentially to cold call companies and sell them bulk orders of flash drives. And what we would do is we would put the client's logo on it, and then they would distribute the USBs at events as a marketing tool. And so my first day on the job, I meet my boss. And within five, five or 10 minutes, he gives me a notebook. And he tells me to learn the dimensions and styles of each type of flash drive that we sold. So for five or six hours, I filled up like page after page in a little notebook about these tiny pieces of plastic that I had no interest in. Um, But when I came back for day two, he handed me a phone script and he let me shadow one phone call. And then he said, you're on your own. So he was like 27 and he drove a Tesla. So I just kind of did everything he said. But for (laughs) the summer, all I did was phone. And I was really bad on the phone when I first started because cold calling was uncomfortable for me. It it made me nervous. Um, But as the summer went along, I got better. And now looking back, I realize how, how big that opportunity was for me to get out of my comfort zone and make a lot of mistakes, watch people around me that were doing well, um, and also learn how to make quick connections with people to build trust and rapport, especially over the phone. So fast forward to next summer, graduated from high school. Um, one of my friends from high school was working with Kotko and it set me up from, for an interview and uh, you know everything came from there. Wow, that's really cool that uh, you had that opportunity the summer before to do something that really challenged your comfort zone. I feel like most Cutco reps don't really get that opportunity until they come work with us. And for you to have had that experience the summer before, I'm sure was an advantage. And it really speaks to the benefit of people challenging themselves in some way. So you got started with Cutco Vector. What were some of the early lessons that you had uh, as a sales rep? Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple of things that I took away from my first summer with Cutco that I think have really helped me out. Uh, one of them is the importance of having conviction. And conviction to me means a lot of things. First of all, that means believing in the product that you're selling. And with Cutco, that's easy because Cutco is reputable and it's top of the line. Mm-hmm. But conviction also, I think, extends beyond the product. Uh, it means having full confidence in yourself, in the mission that you're on, uh, and really believing deep down that what you're doing is meaningful. And I think once I realized that, I was able to knock down all the barriers that came with wanting to avoid rejection mixing up priorities as an 18-year-old, you know, dealing with tons of people, even people in my circle who didn't believe I could accomplish the things that I set out to do. Once I had conviction in myself, I was able to get past all of that. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful for sure. The idea beyond just conviction in the product, right? But conviction in our own selves and in the purpose of what we're doing as one of the critical elements of being motivated and inspired. And it's also one of the critical elements of having others follow us. And I'm sure that conviction in yourself is a big part of what led to your success as a branch manager. What were some of the challenges that you experienced as you were starting the job? I think there's two challenges that come to mind. Uh, The first that kind of messed with me early on in my career with Cutco is that people were telling me that Cutco wasn't worth it for me, that there wasn't enough opportunity for me to shine and make a name for myself in a company that had tens of thousands of college students. And 
people that said it should only be a one summer gig before I got you know, a real internship like the rest of my friends. And as I started to invest more and more of myself into growing with the company, I was met with increasing resistance from people who thought they had my best interest at heart. And maybe they do. But that was really hard for me at first because that was a point in my life where I still cared tremendously about what other people thought. Uh, and I didn't yet have the same self-assuredness as I do now. Uh, so I was really frustrated for a while, mostly just at people's lack of understanding regarding of what Cutco had to offer. Mm. Uh, but Danny Lewis always says, turn frustration into fascination. And I, I started to get curious about how could I make my Cutco experience bigger than I'd ever imagined. And ever since I decided to open up my first branch, I've kept that theme really close to heart in everything I do and that I will strive to make an impact and like I will strive to be epic. The other challenge that I was dealing with at that point in my life before I started college was lacking clarity in knowing what type of life I wanted to create for myself. Uh, and what I've realized in the past two or three years is that most college students don't ask themselves those deep introspective questions until they're forced to. And by that time, you know, they risk playing behind the curve. So when I first started with Cutco, I was juggling these, these new games that I was learning like sales and growth and career alongside the games that had become a lot more comfortable, like waiting and uh, following and mediocrity. And I definitely view the end of my first summer with Cutco as a turning point where I went from following the path that society seemed to have waiting for me to going out and forging my own path that leads to the life I want. And since then, that's been a part of my personal mission is to empower others, especially young people, to forge their own path too. Oh, that's so great to hear. You know, the notion of Cutco being a one summer opportunity for a lot of people, the reality of what happens is that's what it is for the vast majority of our reps versus those that take that next step and take on a management opportunity and the growth that comes from that. You use the words real internship to describe, you know, the path that some people think they're going to take when they leave Cutco while they're still students and they do something else. And what I think is really important for anyone listening to this who's considering one of those quote real internships is to make sure you ask the person who is recruiting you or interviewing you for this, you know, what does a day in the life look like as I'm doing this? A day in the life in this internship or role with this company that, that you might get into. Because the reality is that most quote internships are not super valuable in terms of what people are actually doing. And down the road, the fact that you have an internship at a big company, like, you know, where I live in Silicon Valley, it would be a big deal to get an internship at Google, let's say, or Apple. And uh, the fact that you have an internship at a place like that is a good door opener. But once you open that door, people will ask you, so what did you actually do? And if you don't have a great answer to that question, then the role you played you know, at that internship sort of loses its power. But when somebody asks Colton Horn, what did you actually do in your second summer with Vector or in your third summer with Vector? The things you're going to be able to say are incredibly powerful about being able to have gone to a territory where there was no office and located an office and set up and recruited your own team and trained everyone and developed everyone and created X level of success. 
and this much revenue, like all of the things you can say you did are super, super practical and very powerful. What made you decide you wanted to be a branch manager? I think it was a combination of two things. Um, first, branching was, to me, a really good continuation of the growth that I experienced as a sales rep. Um, in terms of, I was looking to think bigger. I was looking to raise the bar and challenge myself. And I think branching really leveled up the playing field for me. Um, it brought my childhood dreams of being an entrepreneur that much closer. Uh, and I knew that it had the potential if I put enough of myself into it to be bigger and more meaningful than anything I'd ever done before. Uh, and that's not something that I was going to turn down. Uh, I also trusted that the growth that I would experience in it would be massive. Um, that's what I had heard uh, from people that I trust. Uh, and so I trusted that. And I found out later on through reflecting and coaching uh, that my natural disposition is to be controlling. Uh, and branching is a commitment that when done for the first time, especially kind of necessitates you to take control. Um, and I, so I think it fit my personality well uh, is the first part. And then the other part of it is Danny. And just in two short months of working um, underneath Danny, uh, he made a really deep impression as somebody who genuinely cared about me. Uh, I knew that he had my best interest at heart. I knew he wanted me to be successful. And so when he asked me if I wanted to branch, I valued his guidance and I still do. And he took a really big risk in doing so. Because um, when I was a sales rep, I wasn't a great sales rep. I was good, um, but I wasn't breaking records or, or winning championships. Um, and he promoted me directly from rep to branch in a city, Evanston, that was actually part of his own office's territory, the largest city population-wise in his territory. Um, and I don't know how that might have appeared to other people and doctor who didn't know me. So when he did that, it, it definitely struck me as, while he really believes in me, that gets me really fired up. Yeah. That's great. Well, tell us about your first summer as a branch manager. You know, if you think back on that first summer, what were some of the experiences that you had? Sure. Leading up to opening my first branch, I remember setting my goal for our office was to do $200,000 in sales for the summer. Um, I didn't have a good reason why, but I thought that was the number that was exciting to me. Uh, and when I talked to people that were in the business or even out of the business, I still distinctly remember every single time when somebody doubted me. And it was all the time. And I loved it because that was the chip on my shoulder that I was craving. Um, and I wanted to prove people wrong. And so I think there were really you know, three phases of that summer. Uh, first was in preparation when I was developing the assistant manager team. Um, now I, I took a very unorthodox approach to building our AM staff. Uh, relative to what most branches do. First of all, I had three assistant managers in our office uh, our first summer. And two of them had no experience with Cutco. So first, uh, I asked my girlfriend, Morgan, to partner with me and to be an assistant manager, even though she'd never been through Cutco training. And that turned out to be the best decision I ever made, both in terms of she was a stellar manager for the past couple summers. Um, also, in terms of our relationship, really diving in you know, head first to something that's really exciting, but also really scary. Uh, I brought in a friend who I knew could do well with Cutco, but had never worked with Cutco. And I put a lot of trust in him. And that's not necessarily something I would recommend. Um, but in this specific case, my gut said, pour trust into Danny Vornov. And he absolutely crushed it for that summer. Uh, and then the third assistant manager, Jake Selbs, had about 13000 in sales um, his first summer with Danny. And then he became an assistant manager 
in Evanston with us. And he has since become a two-time All-American. He was number eight in the company this year. Um, so I really poured a lot of energy into teaching and loving our assistant managers. And I still try to, um, because I've always viewed the assistant managers as the engine of the office and the stability that personally I needed as I've gone through the emotional roller coaster that is branching. Um, so I've really valued having, you know, well-trained and, and exciting assistant managers. It's so important to have those teammates. You know, during my first branch summer, I opened up from scratch. So I didn't have anybody and but I did recruit two of my friends, just like you did, that kind of helped with the team. They were more of like in a receptionist type of role, but they certainly were there to help me. And um, it definitely made a big difference. And my second branch summer, though, I had four quality assistant managers that I had built with from the previous summer. And uh, it just made a huge difference having those teammates around that could keep you motivated, keep you on it, you know, help make sure you were accountable, and then also help with doing more of the stuff that had to be done for the team to be successful. So pretty cool that you had that that first summer. Yeah, I think also the assistant managers function as a sort of megaphone. Right, a megaphone for what the leader is is trying to, um, you know, get through to the team. And I had a vision for what I wanted our team to be like and what I wanted our team to accomplish. But you know, something Danny always says is a rep won't do what the branch manager says. A rep will do what the assistant manager does. And so when you have a strong assistant manager core, um, you're going to be able to get through to the reps a lot easier through that megaphone. Hmm, that was a really great insight about how. Reps don't necessarily do what the managers say, but they do what the assistant managers do because they relate better to that level, you know, one step ahead of them. And uh, they tend to follow in those footsteps. And so it's a really great lesson for a lot of the managers that have AMs throughout the company or for anyone building a business. And to think about the example being set by people who are just a notch above, you know, who you're trying to motivate and inspire. I know, Colton, that when I ran my first branch, I came out of that summer thinking, oh man, if I do this again, I can really do this well. Like I saw all the places where I could have improved and done better. Can you relate to that? You know, and if so, what opportunities did you see to do things better the second time? I could totally relate to that. Uh, I think there's, there are tons of things that I realized after the first summer that I could do a lot better. Um, the most obvious advantage of senior branching or branching for a second time is having some understanding of what works and what doesn't. Uh, my first branch summer, when I was still you know, learning the ropes, so to speak, I would spend maybe 10 or 12 hours a day in the office, but I wasn't always being productive. I would be working, I would be doing activity, but it wasn't necessarily yielding results because not everything worked. So now after the first summer, I had a better sense of what actions needed to be taken to build the team we wanted. And so I was able to get started a lot earlier. Um, and I remember sitting down at the end of my first branch summer with a former Silver Cup champion, Ty Greenberg, who actually grew up in the town next to mine. Uh, and he told me that the Silver Cup race was over for him in May by the end of the first month. Uh, and that got me really excited. And so every single day from September till May, um, getting ready for my second branch summer, I was, I was grinding in, in preparation and I started filling my mind with content that was going to make me a better leader. I started reading when I hadn't really been a reader for, you know, a few years. Our team together created a list of over 1000 people that we could reach out to to potentially recruit as sales reps. And we spent hours and hours just getting better at our craft. 
And, and that was the assistant managers and I together. Uh, and so by the time the summer rolled around, we were locked and loaded and we were, you know, we were ready to go. Uh, another really important conversation that I had between my two branch summers was when I went down to Miami to visit Andrew Evans. And Andrew Evans holds the national branch sales record. And I was asking him mainly for advice on how did he intentionally grow in between each of his summers. Um, and his advice was great. And it was, he told me to stop prioritizing CPO or sales and start prioritizing people. And it sounds simple and, and we know to do that, but a lot of times it's really hard to do. And that was something that stayed with me ever since. Um, because I think it's really easy in our business and really in any business to be results oriented. And there's something to be said for driving the bottom line and focusing on hitting your numbers. But what I've discovered, at least for me, is that the journey is actually far more rewarding than the destination. And all of the growth, all the memories, all the struggles, those are all part of the climb. And so when you only focus on getting to the top or hitting your sales goal for the sake of the number or the dollar sign, you won't be able to look down on as special of an experience when you're at the top. But when you can really try to take everything in and absorb the little things and appreciate all the people that you come across and shift your focus from quantity to quality, then you can look back with absolute joy on how far you've come. Wow, that is so profound, Colton. I mean, really, really brilliant. And it belies the young age that you have and the, you know, only a couple years here in business that you already see this. And a great shout out to Andrew Evans, who holds to this day the all time branch record. And I find it interesting that you went down there and had a chance to actually meet him and talk to him directly and work with him directly. But this idea of stop prioritizing sales and start prioritizing people, it's a very compelling concept. I have actually had some very deep philosophical discussions about this concept with a circle of people that I know here in the Silicon Valley, many of whom are very prominent executives in some of the biggest companies around here. And, you know, one of my friends has this theory about the importance of doing exactly what you just said about prioritizing people first. And that it's actually difficult for some of these guys that work in public companies to take that philosophy because a public company is beholden to shareholders and to increasing, you know, the shareholder value and to short term objectives driving the now. And that all of these things are things that lead people to prioritize short-term goals. But if you can realize that by prioritizing people, you're building for the long-term, you can build a much stronger and greater organization over time. And it's just such an important concept to consider. Really, really wise of you to have shared that, Colton. So what were your goals going into your second summer? Yeah. At the end of my first summer, or at SC2, one of our big conferences, um, I was in this um, conflict of should I come back for round two? And I, I was weighing both sides. On one hand, it was a phenomenal experience and I loved it. And on the other hand, I wasn't sure that I wanted to put in as much work as I did to get you know the same results or slightly better results. And I think that's something that from talking to other you know branch managers in that position, I think it's something that a lot of people feel. And here's what I realized is that the one thing that could get me to come back for sure was if I could have goals or a mission that was 
big enough and scary enough so that it could both terrify me and invigorate me at the same time. And once I had that, I knew that that was going to be my, my motivation, my, you know, my driving force every single day for the months leading up to the summer. And that's what I wanted. Um, and so we used Andrew's branch record as a target. Um, but that wasn't the goal that was most important to us. It wasn't something that was quantifiable. Uh, my personal mission statement coming into the last summer was to create a legacy that revolutionizes the perception of branching and raises the bar for the future of our company and community. That's a lot more than CPO. It was, it was literally about changing lives of people on our team and encouraging them to forge their own path. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was trying to inspire students all around the country to think bigger about what the vector opportunity is. And it was a feeling. Here's another thing too, is that when I went to Olean to visit the headquarters and I was, I was fortunate enough to have dinner with Jim Stitt uh, and Jim Stitt, I asked him what drives you every single day when you, when you were already so successful. And he said, it's a feeling of duty or obligation to everything that he's been given. Uh, and, and that's really how I felt after my first summer. Um, I was, I was swimming in gratitude quite literally after uh, Danny brought both of our offices to Puerto Vallarta. So I was, I was laying on the beach in Mexico and I realized I've been given so much. I have a duty and an obligation, you know, especially to my mentors who have given me this much. And when my mission was really aligned with my values, that's when I got inspired. And Brendan Burchard um, says in his, in his book, uh, High Performance Habits, for those who are inspired, the motivation to act becomes deeply personal. And from that point on, from Puerto Vallarta until we opened up the second branch, I was, I was personally motivated to take action day in and day out. Oh, that's, that's great. So you opened up, you have this target that you could break the all-time record. How did you communicate the goals to your team? Like, How did you enroll all of the new reps into this mission so that they were inspired to be a part of something? Yeah, I think I lived it. I think it's one thing to have a mission statement or to ask your team to feel a certain way about your team's goals. But the best way to really get through to the team is to embody the values of that mission day in and day out. And so I was reciting our goals out loud in the morning. Uh, I visualized the summer uh, for exactly seven and a half minutes each day, um, coincidentally, uh, because I had a song that was seven and a half minutes. And it's a classical song. There's no words. And so I would just listen to that every morning, close my eyes and visualize the summer. And I did that every day from September to May. And I was obsessed with the mission and I was taken over by the mission. And so anybody who entered our organization could feel it. And, and even people that were outside the organization who knew me, they, they could feel the change. And I remember one of my, one of my best friends at school, we were having a conversation about, he was like, how could you get up so early every day? Right. Cause I, I lived in a house with 40, 40 guys and I was the only one that was up at, you know, five, five thirty AM. And I just said, I'm on a mission and he got it. Right. And I think that that energy was electric. It was contagious. Uh, it was pouring out of me. And as a result, it was, it was pouring out of our team. Um, and I think the other part of it too is, I really wanted to emphasize to our team that it wasn't about competition anymore. It wasn't about competition with anybody else. We were only competing with ourselves. And, and that, that's from Simon Sinek. He says that when you compete with everybody else, then everyone wants to see you fail. But when you compete against yourself, then everyone wants to help you succeed. Hmm. And for my second summer, I stopped worrying about everyone else. I started having tunnel vision on what we were doing. And I remember when, uh, when Kyle Smith came to visit our team, 
he showed us the silver cup standings and that's the, you know, the national championship standings and we were leading it and we were running away with it. Um, and he asked our team, have you, have you seen these standings? And they, they all said no, because I never showed the silver cup standing. It wasn't important to me. Um, the national championship was a byproduct of what we were creating. It wasn't what we were going for because we can't control what other offices were doing. We were really only focused on ourselves and being the best that we could be. And so once we shifted our mindset from you know competing to really trying to dominate, that's when all the improvement happened between summers. Wow, such good insights. Wow. Love uh, what you shared right there about just living the mission. And I love what you shared about the power of visualization. Just taking seven and a half minutes each morning to visualize your goal put you in a frame of mind and made you feel a certain way that I do really believe leads to greater motivation, greater action. And it sort of spirals upward throughout your day, just how you started it out right there. So, you know, our, my good friend, Hal Elrod, who uh, I had a chance to work with many years ago, has made a great career out of the miracle morning concept and the morning routines and how we start our day. And visualization is a part of that. So it's really cool. So what are some moments that stand out from this past summer? I'll always remember the mini golf outing that we had uh, and just the, the surreal vibes that, that came from a group. It was at the very end of the summer, which is why it was you know so memorable um, because our group had bonded so close. Um, it was a combination of people that knew each other before and, and people that didn't. Uh, and it was just one of those, you know, one of those times that you just don't, you don't forget the feeling of it. Um, but I think the most memorable moments were typically conversations. Uh, and more often than not, these were, these were conversations that got really deep. Um, sometimes quickly, you know, sometimes it took longer to really get to know somebody at that level. But, um, these were conversations where, where either I or somebody else felt really comfortable being vulnerable about what was going on in our lives. And this summer, we probably had double digit people who cried to me about non cutco related things. Whereas first branch summer, when I was, I think, much more of a manager than a leader, when I was much more controlling and, and much less empowering, um, when I cared more about the CPO and less about you know the people, um, I don't remember anyone ever getting deep with me like that. And so I love being a resource and an outlet for those people who oftentimes just need somebody to listen. And I think that's helped me become a much better listener in the past year or two. Um, another another you know person who comes to mind from this summer for sure is Jamal. Uh, Jamal is a sales rep from our team, uh, who's become a true friend of mine. I think he, uh, he has a future with Cutgo and management, in my opinion. Um, and throughout our training seminar, when he was first starting, Jamal had a lot of trouble staying focused. Um, he, he was not acting professionally for, for the three days of training. And I considered asking him to not come back, but thankfully I didn't. Uh, and I sat down with him. I explained that if he wanted to be successful here, he would need to grow up really fast. And from that point on, for the whole summer, Jamal was the first one in the office every day. He was there around 7 a.m. He would beat me to the office a lot of times. And, and that was every day with no exceptions. And as the summer went on and I spent more time with Jamal, I learned about tragedies that he's had to deal with, uh, difficulties that he's had in, in the past and you know, his situation. Uh, I learned about his goals and dreams that I wasn't sure that you know, he had ever even like spoken about before. Um, and we talked about what he needs to do to get there. And just now before I left for Italy, um, we mapped out a 12-month plan on, on how he can get there. And so how can he save enough money you know, to go to the school he wants to? How can he get in good enough football shape to make the team? 
Um, you know, how can you sell enough Cutco to make that much money? What does that boil down to? Uh, and I think in many ways, Jamal became the heart and soul of our team. And after meeting him, Mike Muriel actually said that, uh, which I thought was so cool. And so when I think about the wins of this summer, that's, you know, that's definitely one that comes to mind. You know, Colton, there are so many Jamals that come into every vector office. There are so many Jamals that come into the lives of everyone listening to this podcast, whether they're in vector or out of vector. There are people that come into our lives that all they need is the right influence from the right person and it turns the lights on and everything can go great for them. And I think that people like you and I and the people listening to this sort of a podcast are called to be that right leader for people. We are called to that. It's part of the mission that we have in life. It's part of the responsibility that we have in life. You talked about Jim Stitt sharing the duty or obligation to you know everything that he'd been given. I feel like we have a duty or obligation to be able to inspire the people like Jamal who just need a little something. You know, maybe he didn't get the right influence at home or whatever it might have been. Maybe he just didn't click with formal education, but he just needed something, right? And you gave it to him. You gave him that something that helped him to become great. And I think that's an awesome story. It's an awesome example of what we can do for people as leaders. So I really admire that. Colton, what qualities do you feel like you brought as a leader that led to such high level success in your branch office? If there's, you know, future branch managers listening, to this and they want to aspire to follow in your footsteps, you know, what, what do you feel like it was that helped you to take things to such a high level? Well, I just, I try to be real and I try to be me. Um, and I, I think of, you know, I played tennis growing up uh, and I had, you know, quite a few coaches and they, they would each tell me different things about my game, different critiques. And I remember, you know, I was overwhelmed with coaches telling me different things. And I talked to my dad about it and he said, you know, take, what you want from each one, each coach, and implement it into your game as you want to. And it's the same, you know, with, with leadership is I spent a lot of time in between summers and leading up to my first summer too, reaching out to other managers and other leaders in and out of Vector, you know, learning about them and learning about their leadership, and then trying to adapt it to me because I don't want to be somebody else. Right? I want to be myself. And so I always try to be transparent. I try to be authentic. I try to keep my word and earn trust and respect every day because it doesn't come with a title. And I think I operated as if it did my first summer, whereas I really tried to earn respect my second summer. Um, I didn't have the same quality of relationships with the people on our team my first summer because I think they could feel that I cared more about the bottom line than I did about their experience. This summer, I think every single person on our team knew with 100% certainty that I cared about them as humans first and that I would always prioritize their best interest over any tangible result. And, and that's something I got from Danny, for sure. Wow, that's great. Can you share any other observations on working with Danny or working with Mike Muriel? Yeah, I'd love to. Those are like two of my favorite people. So, <laughs> uh, Danny is somebody who just loves people. He gets energy from being around people. And he's kind and he's curious to, you know, to learn about everybody that he meets. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're a star rep. doesn't matter if it's, if it's a, literally a janitor of our building that we became friends with um, and everyone in between. And I remember walking into one of the restaurants near Danny's office that we'd been to. Um, and one of the bartenders had recognized me from having lunch with Danny. And he came up to me and talked my ear off about how amazing Danny was. 
And he'd only known Danny, you know, through serving him at the restaurant. Um, but he was, he was convinced that Danny's the most awesome person on the planet, which is really cool. Um, he does, he does everything the right way. He doesn't cut corners. Um, he has great values, priorities. Um, he goes, he goes above and beyond for, for his team and his family all the time. And so I think he's, I think he's motivated by serving others for sure. Uh, he's, he's always looking to add value. And I think that, you know, for me personally, and probably for a lot of others too, before learning from Danny, I was always seeking to receive value. And I think now I always seek to give value. And I think that's such an important switch. Um, I always say that Danny's the greatest mentor I've ever had by far. And it's because it extends so far beyond what he's taught me in Cutco and so much more about life. Uh, And then Mike, Mike Muriel is somebody who I think is extremely perceptive. Uh, I think he's also fearless. I remember Mike Muriel shouting, I have no fears at a conference, which I thought was really cool. He has an uncanny ability to sense how I'm feeling uh, and what I want to talk about before I even say it. Mm. Uh, I remember having breakfast with Mike one time in Evanston, which is where we both live, or I go to school, he lives there. And I, I was actually wondering to myself if he was reading my mind at that very moment. Like I was legitimately <laughs> questioning it. Uh, and he's one of the most confident people I've ever met. Uh, he performed my shot from Hamilton in a full wig and costume in front of hundreds of people at a professional business conference. Uh, and it, I think he instills confidence in me and others as well. Uh, and I had the privilege of meeting with Mike every week for for semester of last year because my school was in his hometown. Um, and I just remember every time that I would go, I would leave feeling more fired up, more energetic, more confident than when I got there. Um, so I've been really fortunate to you know be able to learn from both Danny and Mike these past three summers. Yeah, we're all so lucky to have incredible people in this organization that we get a chance to be influenced by. And I think that many people, probably most of the people that stick around Vector for any significant length of time would look at somebody in Vector and say, that's my most significant mentor in life. And you know, we're able to find those leaders here that can help us to take our lives to the level that we want to take it to. So it's awesome. Colton, uh, what does the future hold for uh, Colton Horn? I think if you ask me when I come back from Italy, when I do some more soul searching, I'll have a better answer. (laughs) um, I want to keep learning. I want to learn about myself more. Um, I want to keep discovering what I'm capable of. Uh, That's essentially why I came to a a foreign country where I didn't know anybody. And and I'm in a program where I did not know a single person coming in. um, Because I I want to learn what I want to do. Um, But the past couple summers with Kotko have been transformative for me, for sure. I hope to carry on those, those memories and those values, you know, wherever I go. Uh, I've been looking at, at some tech companies out West for next summer. So maybe I'll end up by you. Um, but, but yeah, it's been, it's been a great ride. I've absolutely loved everything about Codco and all the people that I've been able to meet here. Um, and I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah. Whatever it is, whether it's in vector or out of vector or wherever you go, I am sure you're going to have remarkable success. I mean, just listening to you sharing the things you've shared today. It's clear that you are extremely insightful, You know that you've gained a lot of great wisdom from your experience here and from just considering your experiences and also that you're very inspiring, that you're somebody that I, I really feel like will build a followership in whatever you do and people will want to be around you and want to uh, run with you in the things that you do in your life. So kudos to you for all of that you've accomplished and thank you so much for your time here uh, on the podcast today. 
Well, thank you. It's an honor to be on this podcast with um, alongside so many people that I look up to a lot. So I really appreciate the, the invitation and uh, spend a good time. Yeah. Thank you, Colton. Thank you. Wow. As I was just listening to Colton here today, it was hard not to think, I can't believe this guy's 20 years old. And I'm not sure if any of you had that same reaction, but just think about the wisdom and insight that came out of that short interview, starting with the idea of expanding your comfort zone and how he took that on as a 17-year-old in his job this summer before starting with Cutco. And as I think about all of the reps that are in Cutco, like a big part of why you probably chose to work here is to expand your comfort zone. And therefore, you should deliberately seek out opportunities that do that, whether it means running a branch office or taking on challenges, being willing to do things that are a little bit uncomfortable to you at first. That's precisely why we are doing what we're doing is for that growth. To hear Colton talk about the preparation he put into running a branch office and the reading, the growing, all of the things he did to get himself ready for the challenge ahead. So many people rely on talent to take them to success. But the people that put in a higher level of preparation are the ones that succeed. And if you think about this, in terms of athletes, like the athletes that prepare at a high level are the ones that are more successful, not just the ones that rely on their physical talent and physical ability in the heat of the moment. I love the lesson Colton learned from Andrew Evans, which is to stop prioritizing sales and start prioritizing people. And that philosophy is what leads to having stories like Jamal and all of the other many stories that so many of us have from our offices of people we invested time, energy into, and it ended up yielding great results. Not every single person we invest in yields the great results, but the philosophy of prioritizing people yields excellence and long-term consistent excellence. The power of visualization that Colton shared is a critical element of putting us in the right frame of mind for our experiences. And then the idea of taking what you want from the coaches in your life, right? Jim Rohn says, don't be a follower, be a student. You're all going to have people who give you ideas. And it's important not to blindly follow all the ideas, but to consider and ponder the ideas and take what you want from those coaches. And Colton, of course, had a couple of amazing coaches in Danny Lewis and Mike Muriel, who I'm sure are a large part of the success that he has achieved. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Thanks, everyone. Have an awesome rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.